At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 212. What's going on? Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Mitch, what's up, buddy? My legs and butt are hurting. I had to go to the doctor today to get like this Holter monitor. Some people don't know what that is. It's basically got three probes on my chest monitoring my heart for the next two weeks. Oh, boy. And I have to wear this like pager thing. It's really annoying, especially to sleep with. Either way. I decided I would bike there. I don't usually bike a lot. I used to. I have not in years. I got lost on the way there. It should have taken half an hour to get there. It took me an hour because I went like 10 minutes out of my way. Oh, God. Okay. So I And then another half hour coming back because I figured out the right way to go. So I am spent. I'm super tired. My butt hurts from sitting on my bike. And my legs are killing me because I didn't realize it was as as hilly as the the terrain actually was. So... Not a good day for me, muscular-wise. Yeah, rough start. Um, I love that you're out there biking, but we want you, we want to get you on track, going the right direction. That that's like <laughs> our first goal here. It would have helped if I had data, but I don't have data because of the whole internet thing. Yes, we do have you back in 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 the flesh, kind of, which is <laughs> which is good. Yeah, I have stable internet, so hurrah! What's going on with you today, buddy? Uh, not a whole lot. So started the new job this week. I'm loving it. Um, so working from home, it's going to take me a little bit to get used to that. I think I was just talking to you before we got started about kind of structuring my day a little bit more, but just kind of, you know, grinding out articles right now, which is, uh, really cool, man. That is cool. Don't get caught in the, I can watch something while I work. Maybe you can, but I cannot. I've done it a few times. Like, well, I'll just put a movie on while I work. And then I end up like half an hour later, just kind of like mouth open watching the movie and my my Word document going like, hello. Hello, I can't, look at me. Yeah, I can't do. I know I can't do. I could barely even listen to music and, and type at the same time. I am very easily distracted. Um, I need like silence. And then I just kind of do my thing. I need to like lock in. Yeah, I hear you. That's I don't I try not to listen to. If I'm listening to music, it can't be too many words. Like if it's rap or like hip hop music, it's got to be pretty slow. It can't be. I can't listen to Twista because then my mind will start trying to figure out what he's saying. And then I'm not paying attention to what I'm typing. There you go. See, we, we all have our little things to get on track and get articles out. A little peek behind the curtain. There you go. You know what else people need to get on track? What's that? Their downstairs area. True. This is true. Okay. Do you know who can help them with that? Manscaped. Mm. Attention listeners, that's you. 
around the galaxy. So even if you're not here on Earth, listen up. All the way from Australia to Houston and Pluto, which isn't a planet, sadly. Do we have a pube problem? Maybe. You maybe could. not. Even if not, keep listening. If so, our friends, and if not, our friends at Manscaped have you cleared for takeoff with their fourth generation four brand new lawnmower 4.0 kick your pubes to the next planet or to the recycling bin or whatever appropriate bin you might have um with the performance package 4.0 the orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity well i don't know why that was the gravity noise that i went with either way uh when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming join the two million men worldwide who trust manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with code FANSIDED, F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D, 20. So FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your purchase and free shipping. Get it done. Now, I didn't plan this, Mitch, but today the Manscaped cologne came up in the rotation. So I used it today, which is one of the things that you can spend your money on and get 20% off on, which... Is a big, it's an Eyes on Isles favorite, at least for me. I haven't had the pleasure of using it, but all of their other products are, I fully endorse, even when I'm not asked to make an ad read. (laughs) There you go. So in today's episode, what I think we're going to do, we had a banger of an episode last week even even with mitch calling in it was still a banger of an episode uh we talked with dennis potvin which was awesome about nfts we've talked about a million and a half signings it's been back to uh well a little bit quiet so i think what we're gonna do today is talk about progression candidates and regression candidates uh so let's start on the positive side who's someone you think about uh, when you look at the roster and think who's going to take a step forward? Oliver Wallstrom, first aim out of the gate without question. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at what Oliver Wallstrom did last year, um, keep in mind it was 44 games, but he had 21 points, 12 goals, and 9 assists. 12 goals seems really nice. The the 21 points is, as we know, solid, but it's not like, oh my God, like call their pace or anything like that. But when you look at his ice time... (laughs) He was playing 12 minutes and 23 (laughs) seconds a night and was putting up those kind of goals. So with any kind of regular ice time, like, I don't know, for comparison, JG Pajot was playing 1647. So maybe add two, two and a half minutes to Oliver Wallstrom's ice time for what we're anticipating this year. The sky's the limit. Yeah, so... You look at his ice time in the regular season, yeah, 12 minutes, 37 seconds average ice time, which is woof, low. But then you look at the playoffs, and it's, oh, I might get the seconds wrong, but it's I think it's 14 minutes and 44 seconds average ice time. I wish I had it open. I, I could, it's going to take me a second. Um, it's, it's at least 14 minutes, so he's already up two minutes on average per game in the playoffs. Sure, it's only five games to talk about, but that means the sample, there's not much fluctuation there. Right? You, you were close. 14.33. Right. So 14 and a half minutes. We're talking about almost a full two minutes extra on the ice for Oliver Wallstrom. That is going to help. And yeah, you're right. You know, Calder, it's not really Calder pace, but you're going, this is a second year player in a Barry Trot system that, you know, preaches defense first. And he's still putting up what is effectively a 22 goal pace. Look out. And he's only 21. Like, he's only going to get better. That's an easy, easy one. 
progression yeah. candidate number one, Oliver Wallstrom. Right. Last year was his age 20 season. Now he's going to age 21. Like the, the stars seem to be aligning for him just to have, I don't know if breakout is fair. Cause I feel like that is like coming out of nowhere and just putting up these gaudy numbers, but a, a steady progression from year, a full year one into year two, I think is much more likely. Yeah, and it's not to say that they're going to take the leash completely off and be like, have at it, Oliver, you're good. No, no, it's the leash is still going to be on, but there's going to be a whole lot more slack there for him. Uh, I expect it's going to be another 20-goal season for him. I don't expect him to sit in the top line the entire year. Uh, he's going to start off on the third one, but they're okay. going to slowly take those training wheels off. And like the, the sky's the limits for this kid. He again, he's only twenty one, like you said. He's still like three years away from his peak. <laughs> what? Right, and I mean, I, I feel like we've talked about this at at length on both this show and the patron shows. But getting good value on entry level contracts is something the Islanders didn't really get a lot out of, uh, unless your name was Matthew Barzal or <laughs> I guess Devontae's too in recent years. But point of the story. They could use some low, you know, cap hit kind of guys overachieving. That would be ideal for uh, this team. Yeah. And a lot of people, I, I wrote something recently. So I shouldn't say a lot of people because it's not a lot of people. It's a few. Uh, I wrote something recently about the power play. It's saying like, it's going to be better next year. And a few comments were like, what sniper are you going to put in there? Huh? As in saying like, we don't have one of those. And then you like, look at the, the cap friendly page and you point violently towards Oliver Wallstrom and you go that he is a sniper. That's literally his thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. He just, he just needs a little bit more of that rope as we were mentioning, but even in, you know, limited sample size, he looked, you know, pretty solid on the power play four power play goals in the regular season. Right. Which was third on the team, right? He finished yeah. third on the team for power play goals. Right. So I, I would anticipate to see him back on that unit or on one of the two power play units. And uh, I definitely think uh, he is someone who I would bet on taking a big step forward. Oh, 100%. Without question. On the power play specifically, I, I think Josh Bailey is going to have a reduced role on the power play just because he's not a goal threat. I love the guy, but he's not a goal threat. Uh, but you put someone in there who is, and that draws attention away from Oliver Wallstrom which opens him up. It's exactly what he needs. A little bit more space. Just just a little bit. Just a marginal amount more space is all he needs to pop in a few more goals, baby. Absolutely. Uh, so the, my first name that I'm going to bring to the table is, I feel like kind of another obvious candidate, but I'm going to say Ilya Sorokin. Um, he was really, really solid in his first year. 918 save percentage, 217 goals against average, three shutouts. Was solid in the playoffs too when need be. Um, just... I fully anticipate him just taking another step in development uh, under the, the watchful eye of Mitch Korn, Barry Trotz, Piero Greco. Like it's the three-headed monster when it's when it comes to developing goalies. And with all due respect to Semyon Varlamov, who right now I would say is uh, the more polished and and probably better goalie, but from a raw skill set potential, the Islanders haven't had an Ilya Sorokin under this system and just watching him develop year over year, I think is going to be a lot of fun. It, it really is. I, I, his quality starts were, weren't great, right? 0.714 quality starts last year, which is kind of low. Uh, I expect that to change. And, and like the sample size isn't great, right? 22 games played. Uh, that's not excellent. That's not a, a lot 
that's not a big number. And we knew, sorry, how the seasons began for him, right? The, the quality starts were not there. Like the Ranger game specifically was not a quality yep. start. And the first few after that were not until he finally, you know, hit his stride. And then there was no looking back. There, there's not. So this year, I, I expect him to be a 920 goalie with maybe not a 217 goals against average, but probably something around there, like two and a quarter maybe which I guess isn't necessarily progression, but when you're looking at it, you grow from a 918 to a 920, that's still pretty damn good. Yeah, no, absolutely. And while I don't think the save percentage goes up by a ton more, um, and we probably see the goals against go down a little bit, I'm not anticipating a 217, but what I mean by a progression is just, I think the consistency overall, because at, at times there were some clunkers, especially early on, but... I just think we get a, a, a more steady Ilya Sorokin, a better rebounding control Ilya Sorokin, and just see, like, I don't know, the little things start to make a little bit more sense for him. Absolutely, right? Like, it becomes, exactly like you said, a more polished and complete NHL goalie. And you, you can see him slowly take the reins from uh, Simeon Varlamov. It didn't really happen last year, right? He it, it was taking some, but it was still Varley's net. But this year, he's going to every game. It's another kind of like handful of rope that he's pulling back towards him in terms of owning that net. Absolutely. So um, Semyon Varlamov's third year coming up or four? Yeah, third year with the Islanders coming up. Third so. year. Yeah. So okay. like it's been a while now. It's not like it's long. It's not like, oh, God, we got to get rid of this guy. It's been way too long. It's been really good. Uh, it's just, you know, you're getting into year three of a four-year commitment at $5 million uh, this year. Fine. That's fine. Next year. We're probably going to have to move him. Yeah, that's uh, I, exactly. That's where my mind was going. We don't necessarily have to get into that today, but it was more of like Ilya Sorokin can start to push the envelope on Semyon Varlamov a little bit more uh, is I think the overarching theme of what we'll see in 2021. 100%. Who is somebody else who makes your list? Kyle Palmieri. Okay, that is another good one because uh, similar to what we said about Anders Lee going into last year, I think we will say about Palmieri and his power play production going into this year. Yeah, like just in general, really not a great year. Had 10 goals, 21 points, a pace of 16 goals and 34 points. That's not a, a vintage Kyle Palmieri year. Usually it's between 20, 25 goals, something around 50 points. Um but his shooting percentage was atrocious for him, right? He was an 8.7 shooting percentage last year. He's typically around 12, right? Like his career average is 12.5, but his average from when he went to New Jersey, which is when he took that big step up, not considering last year. So that's 2015 all the way up to 2020. His shooting percentage was 13.6. So think of it as he lost, what is it? Some 5% off his shooting percentage. That's a big drop-off. I do not expect that to happen ne next year, and nor do the Islanders, which is why they signed him. And if you're getting a Kyle Palmieri converting at 13%, you're getting a pretty darn good Kyle Palmieri. No, absolutely. And you just look at, I mean, his goal production really, for the entirety of his time with the Devils, 30, 26, 24, 27, 25, last year, down year with just 10 in, in 51 games, 
I would be very, very surprised if we see anything close to a 10-goal performance, especially considering, like, I know that he played mostly on the third line uh, with the Islanders last year, but with Jordan Eberle gone, I feel like he's the front runner to land up top next to Matt Barzal, and that seems like a really good position for him, along with Anders Lee, to uh, pop in some goals. Yeah, like you talk about his ice time there. He went from 17, almost 18 minutes a night in New Jersey to 14 minutes and 10 seconds with the Islanders. Sure, it's only 17 games, but again, the samples, there's not a lot of fluctuation there. There's not a lot of room for fluctuation. So 14 and 10 is pretty accurate as far as what he played. So you're taking off almost four minutes a night from him. Yeah, like I expect he's going to get a few more minutes in the bank this year on average, probably somewhere around 17 minutes a night, which is basically what Jordan Everly had. And you're going to get the Kyle Palmieri of old with that type of ice time and that type of deployment, like you said, with Barzell and Lee. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think so too. And when you look at power play numbers too, like two power play goals last year is just insane. He, he was a double digit power play goal scorer. One, two, three, four out of the last five years. Like that, that is going to help not only him put up numbers, but just the Islanders in general be a better team because one of the things that have held them back the last couple of years is how poor they've been on the power play. Have like a, a one Anders Lee back and playing at the power play level that he, we know he can and adding a Kyle Palmieri who can give you, I don't know, let's call it 10 power play goals. That's a completely different ball game. That's a game changer. Absolutely. And that one year where he doesn't put up 10, he had eight in 62 games, right? So like you pace that out and it's definitely double digits. This, and again, that gets back to the Oliver Wallstrom thing. You have more options to put out there in terms of goal threats. Kyle Palmieri is going to get his looks, is going to get his goals. I have no doubt about it. Um, really comes back to the Islanders were comfortable in giving him the money they gave him for a reason because they are confident he will not he is not the player he was last year and I have no reason to doubt them I'm with you there I agree and speaking of players who had a bit of a down year last year that I think is going to be an outlier for them now I know this player is up there in age Mitch and technically he hasn't signed but we did see him in Islanders gear and he did say that he signed and I'm talking about Zach Parise, if you haven't figured that one out. He had seven goals, 18 points in 45 games, which isn't awful for a third-line player, which is what he is going to be brought in to do. But if you look at the last couple of years before that, 25 goals, 69 games, 28 goals, 74 games. Now, I'm not crazy and going to say he's going to go back to giving you 25-plus goals, but is, I don't know, call it 18 fair, Mitch? I think so. I, I really do. Um, it's just like when we call him old, like he's he's younger than I am. <laughs> By only a couple of months. But Don't make still. me say it, Mitch. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> um, but it just makes <laughs> me older. Either way. Um I don't expect him to be an 18-point player. Although you pace that out, right? It's 18 points over 45 games. Um, and we're, we're talking about a 33-point player, which is still acceptable, right? Even at his at what he was last year, we'll take it. That's an upgrade over the combination of Leo Komarov, Michael Del Cole, Ross Johnston, and Travis Zajac. He was better than what they provided. And maybe I'm, I'm being unfair to Travis Zajac because he didn't get a full ride there, so even those three combined he has another like 10 points i think 
Like, that's insane. On his down year, right? I don't expect that to happen. Again, like, he, a victim of, I'm going to say victim of ice time. He was averaging 17 minutes and 12 seconds the year prior to this. So in eight in 1920. And in 2021, he falls to 1357. Which is probably what he's going to end up with on the island. Um, but he's going to be getting, I would suspect, more power play time as well. Which again, was cut in half last year. Uh, and he didn't score a power play goal. He has how many power play points? Two. That's not great. But I expect he's going to get his looks, and that's going to boost his numbers a little bit. I expect Zach Parise to step in and not be, like you said, 25-goal score, but I expect it to be a 20-goal score for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's really not crazy, especially when, I mean, you talked about his ice time might be similar, but I think the the quality of line mates is going to help him out a lot because JG Pajot at center is one of, if not the best, I would go out and say he's the best third line center in the sport. I think just everything he does is perfect for that role. Um, and Oliver, a young Oliver Wallstrom up and coming or Kyle Palmieri. Like that's a real two really capable line mates that he's going to be playing with. Um, so I think he absolutely does have a chance even at what he's 37. Yeah, 37, 37, yeah. 37. So I, I I don't think Zach Parise is, is close to being done. I still think he has enough left in the tank. So do I. And we also got to talk about, like, the mentorship. Like, there's one thing about Oliver Wallstrom's game that you hear about. It's that he's not – he's too perimeter heavy, right? So he shoots from distance. He doesn't drive towards the middle. That's what Zach Parise does. Oh, yeah. He, yes, he will shoot from the perimeter, but he's going to get his nose in the net. He's going right there, even as a winger. And Oliver Walsh needs to kind of learn that. Who better to learn that than from Zach Parise? Right, exactly. I, I like this a lot for what he can give the Islanders in the short term on a, on a one-year deal that's not very costly, but in also helping the development of some other young forwards I think is going to be big too. Yeah, so j- just to end the, uh, on the line mate thing, his two most common offensive or forward line mates were Nick Bugstad and Nick Benino. Sorry, but they're not great players. They're fine, they're fine, but when you turn it to, like you said, Jean-Gabriel Peugeot, better than both of those players, and then Oliver Wallstrom, maybe not better necessarily yet, but has a higher ceiling, and Kyle Palmieri, definitely better, like, yeah, that, that makes it makes total sense that this guy's going to put up better numbers than he did. And even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, that's perfectly fine. What he gives and what he would give based on what he did last year is totally acceptable. Yeah, I think we're looking at like worst case scenario. I don't know. 13 goals and 30 points from <laughs> Zach Parise, which compared to what you just rattle off Michael Del Cole. Uh, Travis Zajac, Ross Johnston, Leo Komarov, still a, a massive, massive upgrade. Komarov had one goal, eight points last year. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's time. It's an, it's an improvement. I'm sorry. It is. And I they're not the same type of player, right? Like no. in comparing Zach Parise to Leo Komarov. So maybe it's unfair to Leo Komarov. But these are the kind of upgrades the Islanders need to make. They've got sandpaper. And they've got enough sandpaper, maybe too much. We need to add a little bit more depth offensively and getting someone like Zach Parise will do that. And he will, in return, put up a better year than he did last year. 
Now let's get over to some regression candidates, maybe some guys who will take a step back. I don't think this list is nearly going to be as long as the other one, but who in your mind is someone who you think could take a step back this year? It's got to be Andy Green right off the bat, right? You're looking at a 38-year-old, soon to be 39. He turns 39 October 30th. And I know I called myself old, but this is old for the NHL. It it just is. Um, The wall can come at any day. And we saw... Like his 50 50 puck battles were great last year. That's good to see. The compete level is still there. Uh, but at some point, the wall is going to come. The, the, or, um, what is it? Uh, either way, the wall is going to come at some point. I'm thinking of something and I can't spit it out for some reason. Uh, it's going to come, and, and the Islanders need to mitigate that somehow. And I don't know how they're going to do it because they've already got a gap in the blue line. Yeah, that's that's definitely an issue. And if he does fall off, um, it's not going to be easy. But you look at his production last year, it wasn't – he didn't give you a whole lot offensively. Uh, one goal, four assists, five points. Was playing 17-35. Most of the time was paired with Noah Dobson. I, I would say you probably have to imagine that's going to be his D partner again this year, no? It, it, yeah, it depends on who they bring in as that lefty, right? Because um, <clears throat> – if they bring in a puck mover, then that, that's going to be Scott Mayfield's partner, for sure. If they bring in something a little bit more stable, then I can see a, a swap, having Noah Dobson move up to play that that stable guy and having Scott Mayfield move down. And essentially, you have more of a shutdown pair uh, with, with Andy Green and Scott Mayfield than, than anything else, which is perfectly fine. There's nothing sure. wrong with that. And, and of course, that doesn't stop them from mixing and matching pairs, right? Like we saw Dobson and, and Pellick play uh, in the playoffs quite a bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, I just, I don't know. Like you said, the age thing for me is what what scares me. Now, we've seen defensemen play into their 40s even. Uh, I'm not saying it's impossible, but uh, I think we saw just a little bit from the end of 2019-20 then into last year, a a noticeable drop-off. I mean, his average ice time... Granted, it was with two teams, but in 2019-20, he was getting 19 minutes, 33 seconds a night, and then that dropped by essentially two minutes last year. Actually, even then, when you look at it, his ice time went up with the Islanders, that, right? Yeah, in 1920, it's 16:32, and then 2021, 17:35, and you're like, how is this guy gaining time? Well, that just that's a no Dobson experience right there. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with you on that one, but. Yeah, I, I don't really. There's not really a whole lot else to say on Andy Green. Like he's fine as your sixth defenseman. It's just at his age, he can fall off at any point now. That's just it. So like, I I think it's coming. Although this is probably the worst time for it to happen because again, the Islanders have that gap on the blue line, and you're going, yo, we don't have the space to have someone just fall off. Now, there one other player on the roster that I could really think of that would be like reasonable like i'm not gonna say leo komarov just because i don't think he's gonna like play at all so i don't think that that's fair um the only other guy who i think it could be is is bailey um he's starting to reach that age where he's gonna he's gonna be 32 at the start of the season had 35 and 54 so is this the year where he drops back into like that 40-point player or is he continuing at that 50-point pace? 
Um, I think you can make the case either way, but he, again, if you're looking at the roster, you're probably best off or, or your best guess would be him. Yeah, I think so. And the main reason that I wanted to bring Josh Bailey into this discussion was his, his role in the team can fluctuate, right? Like he is the the Swiss Army guy. Usually it's a, uh, more recently Jean-Gabriel Peugeot being put in a bunch of situations. But Josh Bailey's more of a line balancer kind of thing. Or Barry Trotz will bounce him around to kind of like stabilize, stabilize the line or to move him out to try and stabilize the line, not because he's the problem, but because he's the easier element to move out. And so I think that's going to suffer, or he's going to suffer for it, because you're going to have guys moving in and out of lines, right? We talked about Oliver Wallstrom, we talked about Kyle Palmieri, and while they might just do a one-for-one swap on whatever line, uh, you might have some other juggling going on where you go like, well, I don't want to put Palmieri up with with uh, with Barzal or, or vice versa. So it might have to be Josh Bailey moving down, and that might be uh, to his detriment. You're also bringing up the fact like, yeah, he's a little bit older too, right? He'll be 32 in a couple of days, or not a couple of days, sorry, in a month. Uh, and while that's not necessarily old, you know, you're starting to exit the peak here, and so a, a downtrend could start coming. We didn't see it last year. We're still on pace for 53 points, but maybe we start seeing it this year. Right, and I don't know if I'm even like 100% bought in that it's you know definitely going to be a decline like I was with Andy Green, but... You know, as we said, most of this roster is either in their peak or ascending. So the only other logical choice that we could choose here was Bailey, unfortunately. It really is, because you're right. Who do we take? Leo Komarov? Yeah, of course he's going to regress. He's barely going to play. Richard Panic? Yeah, same situation. What about Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck? Well, it's not like what they're going to regress from, what, Cal's eight goals to five? There's not much of a regression there, right? There's not much of a meaty topic. So we picked Josh Bailey because, well, the potential is there. There's no guarantee I don't want it to happen. But when you look at anyone in this lineup, you're saying Josh Bailey's probably going to be the one. It could be. It it could be, which uh, I don't hate the idea of Bailey on the third line. Like if if that happens and he's – I'm not saying he's going to drop off the earth and be a 20-point player, but if he's – 40 to 45 points and playing on the third line and Oliver Wallstrom and Kyle Palmieri are in the top six on the right side. That's not the worst thing either. No, I think the third line role is perfectly fine for him. That That's actually a good spot for him at his age and where he is. I think that's a really good spot for him to go. You got a, a third line of Zach Parise, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, and Josh Bailey. That's a pretty damn good third line. That's a good second line at the NHL level, really, for most teams. Yeah, probably. For I would say probably about like half the league you would take that as their second line or close exactly. to it. So, yeah, I I think I'm not going to say he will regress, but if there's anyone that's going to regress at least when it comes to yeah, to forwards, it's it's going to be Josh Bailey. All right. Now, someone we didn't mention in either the regression or progression um was Noah Dobson, and I very much so feel like he's a wild card for this year. Yeah, because we talked a lot about ice time, right? Saying like, well, Kyle Palmieri's ice time is down, so it's going to go up. Same thing with Wallstrom, same thing with Parise. Well, wouldn't that also be the case with Noah Dobson? I don't know. I don't know if he's going to get a bunch more ice time because we still don't know who the other defenseman is, right? So uh, until that that is settled, you like you said earlier, it's going to be third pair Andy Green, Noah Dobson. 
which doesn't lend me to think that ice time is going to skyrocket up. It still could, because again, we talked about him probably playing a little bit, at least, with Adam Pellick. So the ice time could still go up because of those matching, the mix and matching the pairs. But I'm not going to say, like, he's on for 20 minutes a night. I don't think so. No, I don't I don't think so either. He was at 16-24 last year, which was up from 13-17. Um, I would, I would guess that his time goes up, but by, by how much, I don't think it takes another three minute jump. I don't think he's going to be at 19 and a half minutes. Well, it could. And the the reason I'm, I'm going this way is the power play. Okay. Right. Cause the, the two main power play defensemen were Nick Letty and Ryan Pollock last year. Nick Letty ain't here no more. So someone's got to eat at that, that time. And this is why I say could. Because again, we don't know who the other defenseman is. <laughs> yeah, that that plays the biggest. That's a huge thing because, yeah. as you mentioned earlier, if it's a if it's a puck mover, then we know okay, Dobson's probably going to be on the third pair. Um, but if it's someone who's more of a stable guy, then you can go with Dobson on the second pair. The, this Lou is really screwing us again in this spot, Mitch. <laughs> Damn you, Lou! Um, <laughs> the only time I'll probably say that. Um, but it really comes down to that because if it is a puck mover, like you said, not only is his, you know, maybe he plays second pair minutes, but his time probably isn't good. He's not going to get that same power play time probably because if it's a puck mover, it's someone more established at the NHL level, I would imagine. Uh, and, and that means that they're probably going to get power play time over Noah Dobson. He'll still get his because, again, he was third, not again. Sorry, he was third in ice time for, for defense on the power play. But whoever this new person is, if they're a puck mover, is probably going to get it unless it's an internal option, of course, which I'll get to in a second. Right. Which um, then I don't know. I, I don't know if, if it is an internal option, then I would assume that it would be Robin Sallow. But is he going to go in and be the second pair guy with Scott Mayfield? I, I find that hard to believe. That's just it. And so this is why he's a wild card, like you said, right? Because there's so many, not really so many variables. There's there's the one, which is who the other defenseman is, that could change it dramatically either way. So I think we're just going to have to keep an eye on that over the next couple of weeks until uh, we get a more definitive answer there. Hopefully. Oh, my God. Hopefully. So there we go. Let us know your regression and progression candidates, by the way, on social media at Eyes and Isles FS, or you can get at me at Matt O'Leary NY or Mitch at TLO Mitch and tell us how much you disagree with all of our choices or who we were <laughs> leaving off or all that fun stuff. But um, shall we get to down on the farm now, Mitch? Do you have anything for us there? I've got two things for you. I spoke to two players just recently. Uh, I spoke to Matthias Rayanemi, who's the Islanders six round pick in 2020. I really wanted to get his sense on comments that the U-20 Finnish coach had made to me about Murray game and saying he was too kind, right? He needed to develop some meanness. So I wanted to ask Murray and I did, what he thinks of that and how he thinks he's going to do that. And basically his answer was like, I'm just going to try. It's not natural to me, though. Uh, he's had these chats with the U-20 coach, with his auntie Penninen. He's had these chats with them for a while now. And, like, this is something he's been working on, but it's just not natural to him. Um, so I don't know if he's going to if he's gonna develop it. And if so, it's, you know, it's got to come quickly. Yeah, that would have to be a, a pretty big change for him and not a whole lot of time. Yeah. Although he's not even 19 yet. He turns 19 in three days. So, like, he's still quite young. Uh, but 
he's got to develop that meanness and that's just being more physical specifically around the net he's not physical enough and it's not that he's a small guy like we're not asking someone like Sebastian Ajo to be more mean we're asking someone like Scott Mayfield because he is a Scott Mayfield size to be more mean right which I feel like that's more teachable than skill yeah well that's the thing though you would think so but it's not that we're trying to harness the meanness. It's they're, they're trying to develop it. And you would think that it is. But because it's not natural, that's where it gets kind of hard. Because you're, you're trying to give someone an instinct that they just don't have. Okay. I didn't really look at it that way. But I, I don't know. Are you taking a developmental, like developing skills easier than developing that then? Probably. Because you can develop skills, right? Like you could develop skating to a certain extent you can develop puck skills to a certain extent you can't really develop someone's physicality right like and by that i mean like the way that they impose themselves you can tell them and you can try to train them but if it's just not natural then you're fighting instinct and that's hard that's hard to teach i'm not saying it can't be taught but it's gonna it's gonna take a while i think to break that kind of like psychological barrier in his mind to be like this is not what i do okay so all right he's got some stuff to work on then yeah for sure (laughs) Uh, the second one is with the season like a month away and training camp coming around the corner, right? I know that players are coming in as of the 15th, which is seven days from now. I wanted to get a sense from some of them and one specifically about the opening on the left of the left side defense, right? We just talked about that. So I asked Robin Sallow, like, so what do you think about that role? What, are, what What's going to happen there? And essentially saying, like, do you think you can get it? <laughs> Uh, my man was brutally honest with me, uh, which I love, and he doesn't mean it. Anyways, I'll, I'll read what he says. All I know is the best players are going to be in the lineup and play. It's not rocket science. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's a, he's trained by, by Lou and Barry, right? Like, that's that's what I thought of as soon as you sent me that earlier. But that's the first thing I thought of was that is just such a Lou answer. Are The best guys are going to play. Simple as that. Yeah, and like he's told me this before, right? So I I knew that Robin wasn't going to be like, oh, yes, they told me that I was going to be playing and that they're going to give me a shot and I'll play 10 games and they'll send me back down or nine and send me back down. He wasn't going to say that. I expected this answer. I maybe didn't expect it in the words that he used, uh, but this is very much like this is how he talks. When I speak to him on the phone, this is how he talks. Like, I will try my best and if my best is good enough, then it's good. If not, then I'll keep trying. Uh, but that, and like to him, it's like, this is why are you asking me these questions? Because it's not rocket science. Uh, and it really isn't. It's He's right. The best players will get that place. So it's just, who are the players in contention, right? That's the one that gets us. Who's up for the spot? Are you? Obviously, he won't tell us. Uh, which again, like you said, very well trained by Lou. Um, but We'll see. Uh, no, no definitive answers from anyone on anything. No, which is uh, well, very on brand for the Islanders over the last couple of years, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Lou is smiling ear to ear right now, <laughs> hearing Robin Salas. He might get the spot on that and that alone. Yes, just from that answer, screenshot <laughs> and forward that to Lou. He, he he's going to put him right in the lineup. Absolutely, and that's all I really got um, on on down on the farm. All right. How about the quiz? Shall we get back into that this week? Let's do it. So, because I've got internet, we're back to this baby. Uh, you've got five clues, Matt, to guess a mystery New York Islander. 
The clues get progressively easier as they go. The fifth one is me basically giving it away because uh, I always want you to guess it. So are you ready to guess this mystery New York Islander? Let's do it. Clue number one, my dad played in the NHL. That could be a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> um, two, I played a total of 252 games in the NHL. 252 games in the NHL. Okay, so... All right, my thoughts are, were now cleared for me after that clue, so I'm going to take in the next one. Okay, three. I was traded to the Edmonton Oilers. From the Islanders? Correct. Griffin Reinhardt. Incorrect. Um, four. I was taken 15th overall instead of someone else. Oh, oh. Damn it, who did they take that? I know what year you're talking about. Oh my god. What year? Just 2003. Just yes, okay. I don't, oh god, I can't remember <laughs> who the Islanders took that year. All right, give it to me. Let's go. Five. Kent Nilsson is my dad. My name is Robert. Robert Nilsson, okay. Yes, sir. There we go. 252 games at the NHL level. I believe it's 53 or 54 games uh, with the Islanders. Uh, just not a good... He had yeah, 53 games, 20 points. Not fantastic. Mike Milbury was sure this guy was going to be something. Uh, did not turn into anything. 31-point player in 07-08 with the Oilers. But uh, after that, just nothing, nothing going there. Instead of taking someone like Zach Parise who was, you know, picked two picks after him. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, I just want to bring up that, that draft, just, just to bring it, you know, bring it home. After Robert Nielsen, you had guys like Parise, Getzlaff, Burns, Brent Burns, uh, Ryan Kessler, uh, Corey Perry, all in the first round, still available. And then, of course, you go down the list, and like, there's still a bunch of players like Louis Erickson is there, although like, you know, maybe not. Patrice Bergeron taken in the second round. Shea Weber. Just wow. a whole bunch of players here that just – it's such a deep draft, and the Islanders got one of only six players who didn't play 300 NHL games in their careers, at least up till now. That's depressing. Wow. So – but we now have the guy who was picked two picks after ours <laughs> and who should have been an Islander. Yes, that would have just been poetic if they took Zach Parise all those years ago. Yeah, right? His dad and everything like that. So now he's finally here. He's finally an Islander. So let's go. Who knows? Maybe he could um, finish the job that JP wasn't able to do. Oh, my God, please. Yes, let's do it. Not that... I don't know. That, that came out a little harsher than I meant it. Not that JP wasn't a good Islander. He scored some pretty big playoff goals, and he was a great Islander. It's I just didn't want to say come out and for jinxing reasons. We're very uh, superstitious on this podcast. <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, so, yeah, I hope he does. I really hope he does. Let's get to the social segment. Let's see what's going around on Isles Twitter. Mitch, what do you got for us this week? So I mentioned it earlier with Andy Green. So this is from Jay Fresh. Uh, everyone knows who he is. Which defenseman wins the most puck battles using uh, in-stat hockey's trade, uh, tracked stats? Here are the defensemen who came up with the puck at the highest rate in 2021. Number one, Andy Green. 64.5% of the time, 
he wins a puck battle. What? I was legitimately stunned when I saw I had to like rub my eyes and check again, kind of. Yeah, and like the just... names afterwards, Brent Burns, Jacob Slave, and Justin Braun. All right, fine. Justin Falk, Connor Murphy, Ryan Graves. Like you're talking about some not elite level defensemen, some of them, yes. Other ones, you know, it's at least top four solid guys. And you're going, this guy who's still playing third tier and is going to be 39 years old is still the best puck battle winner in the NHL. And you're going like, slow clap to Lou Lamarillo on that one. Yeah, it's, wow. That, that's that's a really good find. Um, and a stat that I would, have ne- I would have never guessed that in a million years. You could have given me 50 million guesses, no shot. I would have come up with Andy Green leading the way. Never, ever, ever on men would I have guessed Andy Green on that. Not even close. Uh, my first one comes from Michael Russo on Twitter, and he's been uh, keeping up on the Zach Parise watch for us, and he tweeted out this week, Zach Parise in his Isles gear. Uh, and he's wearing the the socks and the shorts, and he's in a white helmet. I can't tell if it's an Islanders helmet or not. It kind of looks like it. I'm going to say it is just because it kind of completes the ensemble. Yeah, it, it would, but I, I very much like the blue and orange for Parise. That that's awesome, even if it's you know all these years later. Yeah, whatever. I don't. I don't. Well, I kind of still care, but like, he's now an Islander. We're good, baby. Let's go. At the right, at the, the best possible time, right? Like, it was mentioned to me on, on our Discord channel for Patreon, um, saying, like, well, what makes you think if Milbury would have drafted Parise that he wouldn't have traded him for someone else? That's highly possible. Point. Highly, highly possible. So thank you, Bill, for that one. You have another one? Yes, this is from Nicole Sherman saying, um, uh, it's from a Barzi interview. Uh, it says, what do you love most about your hair? Or sorry, about yourself, I gave it away. Uh, <laughs> So they ask him what he likes about himself the most. And he's he sits for a while and he's like, oh, I'm going to have to say this, won't I? And he says his hair. And <laughs> I can only think of Lou Lamarillo shrugging. Like, that's not the right answer, Matthew. <laughs> it no, should have been the logo on the front. <laughs> he's just standing there with the electric buzzer and turns it <laughs> on in the background. <laughs> yeah, because his hair is quite long. It's, it's flowy, man. It looks magnificent, obviously, but... Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think it's gonna look the same when he's on the island. No, he he had a little. It looked like a little mullet action going. There's a little length in the back. Yeah, Lou will not stand for that. I believe. No, I don't. I don't think so either. But he he did look good. I'll give him that. He looked good in that uh, that interview. One hundred percent. My last one is uh, from the Islanders official ca- account. It says a view from the clouds with the painting of the UBS arena roof. You are now one step closer to welcoming Isles fans to our new home in November. Now I know it's a small thing and we just see the logo on, on top, but it, it's just starting to feel more real. And I know I've said this on this show before and on others, but I, I get to drive by a couple of times a week and I'm always looking to see, you know, what are they working on now? And, they're, they're getting close, I would imagine. Well, they got shrubbery now, right? So they got they got bushes, they got landscaping down. So that that's a big step in the right direction. So I, I can't wait to be there. I haven't bought a ticket yet because they're not available. But I'm on the waiting list. I've put my name down on the waiting list for single game tickets. Let's go, baby. There we go. Absolutely love it. Uh, anything else from you? on the Last one here comes from the NHL Network, specifically Mike Johnson who said that, uh, how do the Islanders get over the hump? And this is courtesy of Rob Taub, who tweeted it out, uh, the video clip from the NHL Network. 
And they asked him, how did the Islanders get over the hump? And he says, not play Tampa. I want to play Tampa. Bring on Tampa. Absolutely. The Islanders have to exercise. And that word I'm using there is, is the demon that is the Tampa Bay Lightning. They have to get that out of the system by getting over. They, they have to. I, do, I will accept any Stanley Cup that we can get our hands on. But I want to be able to go through Tampa and be like, we did it. We finally did it. We slayed the beast or whatever you want to call it. I want Tampa. That would be extremely poetic, but I'd be lying if I was sitting <laughs> here today and said that I wouldn't be nervous out of my mind to play the Tampa Bay Lightning in the playoffs. That's fair. Uh, it, it Obviously, because we've lost them twice, but we're getting a step closer every time, baby. A natural and steady progression. Let's go. This time they win game seven. That would be something. So... Before we go, let's just get some plugs in here. So wherever you are listening to the show, please make sure to subscribe, give a rating and review. That really helps us out a lot. We appreciate the love and support. You can follow along with us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My Twitter is at Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch is over at CLO Mitch. Facebook, Facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You can also download the fan-sided app where you can get us there or on the website uh, and Patreon. Patreon.com slash Eyes on Isles. $5 a month gets you a mailbag show, uh, gets you post-game content after every game. Uh, it gets you deep dives on topics in the offseason. It gets you a Discord channel uh, access. So a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, head over. Right, The regular season is almost here. That means a podcast after the game for every single one of them. Get And, and look, we don't have day jobs anymore. Neither of us. This is our day job now. We can do these. I like oh god I can't wait it's not going to be like oh let's let's get this in before we got to get to work baby we can do oh I'm so excited to do these without Dave Jobs hanging over our heads yes we are we're doing the damn thing over here so that's going to do it for us on this episode thank you so much for tuning in once again I'm Matt O'Leary he is Mitch Anderson we'll talk to you next time At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.